0: Some of you arrived while the lights were out. We're glad to, uh, glad, that you, uh, glad that you're here. Um, hope you had a fantastic Canada Day weekend. And uh, if you're listening online and you just couldn't make it uh, get up this morning after all those fireworks, we are glad that you're tuning in to listen and uh, uh, hope you're uh, enjoying wherever you may find yourself. Um, uh, I, we will be heading out uh, today and so I had kind of one week and I thought you know what, what do we want what, what can I share just in one week we just finished a series on uh, on money and and I thought you know there's I got this one one opportunity to share something before we go and and uh, I, I want to talk about water baptism today I was challenged about. Uh, well, probably six months ago, we, we um, Beth had invited these Mormon missionaries in, and we had shared that story with you guys. That we had over time had been building a relationship with them, and they got transferred to other places, but they keep in touch with us via email, and it's been pretty uh, it's been pretty neat, just uh, uh, sharing back and forth with them. And and uh, one of the things that they mentioned in one of their recent emails is that they'd been they'd been in a new place for six weeks, and they're just praying and praying and praying that someone would get baptized. That's a big deal, you know, if someone would be baptized into the Mormon faith, and so they they they. Um, um, every um, every day, that's been their prayer, God, that somebody would somebody would be baptized, and they work and work and work and go out and knock on doors and knock on doors for that hope that one person would be, would be baptized. And as I, as I read that email, um, I, I was really challenged by one thought: is is how much do you know the the effort that they're putting in for something that you know th- that they believe in. What, um, how, what, when's the last time that I just really spent time praying that someone would come to know the Lord and really spent time praying that someone would experience baptism? And, and uh, I, I had to answer that question. It had been a little while. And I wasn't too I wasn't too really wasn't really excited about that but those are those moments where you just that's God's voice working in your heart and working in my heart to to um, to do something and I hope this morning that that as we chat about this um, topic that he may be able to do something in your life and and I know that we're kind of like venturing into uh, uh, one of those hotter topics uh, sometimes that's why I figured I'll just preach it and then leave for two weeks you know and, and then we uh, it, it should be safe right but um, one of the one of the one of the interesting things is that that in Canada we have so many Cultures that have gathered together, and in this place, we've got people who have come from different backgrounds. Um, some of you were raised in, in church, and and some of you were not. Um, some of you have understanding of baptism and have, have experienced different ones. Some of you have been to see some baptisms, and so well, I'm aware of that. Maybe some of you are familiar with the like the infant baptism. Or the infant sprinkle maybe this is baptism as you sort of remember it maybe you were like in a place where it was the infant uh, immersion where they put the whole baby in the tank right uh, maybe if for you it was no it's not about babies it's about adult immersion and so you know as an adult goes under the water or maybe you were like the full immersion uh, of the adult baptism which is like going all for you know feet up uh, I love the pictures um, on, on the slideshow earlier of the baptisms that's got to be the highlights of my life uh, other than um, Mary Beth and our children is those, those experiences with people um, making decisions to follow the Lord. Uh, we have a baptism coming up on July 23rd, which great, great gives a, uh, an opportunity for people to experience that. But I believe there's something for everyone here. So this morning, maybe you've been baptized as, a, as an adult or as a child or whatever, um, but I believe that This morning, I want to remind you of the power of that moment, because sometimes we uh, forget. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. You've, you've, You've decided, yeah, you know, I believe that Jesus died for me, but you haven't yet been baptized. I want to encourage you this morning to consider it. And then for those of you, you maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just here because you heard it's my birthday, and you're here to have, hoping for a free cake, or I don't know, but but you're you just you just here, maybe you just sort of showed up, and you're like, maybe you're just checking out church, and you're like, I don't really know about this whole Jesus, thing. I don't know if I believe all that, I just, I kind of feel good when I'm here, that's why I come, it's my happy place, uh, great, great. I encourage you to listen this morning because there might be some info that could change your life. And so a couple of things, a couple of just uh, uh, quick facts about baptism. One of the things um, the, about baptism, maybe if you, you know heard in the Bible, there's a guy named John the Baptist. Just for the record, he wasn't actually Baptist. We don't know if he was Presbyterian or what he was, but he wasn't a Baptist. And uh, another fact is it is impossible to baptize a cat. I don't know if you've ever tried, but... <laughs> it It's not possible, and so that's why I know there are no cats in heaven, and I don't care what you guys say, but the movie was the that's why it's gonna be great you know the the movie was all dogs go not no no cats um so I'm sorry, but also i other thoughts, maybe a little bit more serious than that. The word baptism, the actual word that we look at, in, in what's translated from Greek, is this word baptizo, and it means it means these things: dip, immerse, dip oneself, or wash, plunge, and sink. And it's not a Christian word. They used it for um, in recipes for when they made pickles. They'd say we'd you know baptizo the pickles and leave leave uh, cucumbers in the in the brine until they become pickles until they're changed. That's this idea of what baptism is. It's this whole soaking. Under- and, and full um, full immersion when we're, when uh, um, the Bible talks about um, the, the mention of this word baptism but we know there's different um, um, types of baptism mentioned in the Bible. I know there's different different um, types of baptisms mentioned in other religions, and so we have churches that have split over this topic. Uh, we have people who are like you know it's you got to baptize them as a baby, and we're like, no, you got to baptize them in that as an adult. Okay, fine, we can't hang out together anymore. No more Sundays together. And then you got the group who are like, yeah, we believe you should be baptized as an adult, and they're like, yeah, we, we believe that too as an adult. And it's like, okay, in the name of Jesus. Oh no, no, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, fine then, we can't hang out together anymore. And we got, you know, then we got like, this is now the first Baptist church, and now this is the second Baptist church, and we got all kinds that want to fight about it. So this morning, my, my goal isn't to say, hey, you know, this is what it is, and we're right, you're wrong. That, that's not the idea at all, because that's not what it was ever designed for. Is Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he, he said that the, that the whole purpose of this was that Jesus would create one body, that no matter what people... Um, believe about different uh, 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 sacraments or things like that, that our faith in Jesus Christ, that that that, that would create one body no matter where we meet in the world. And he said in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, one body with one baptism. One baptism, this one idea that that unites us together. And so we want to look this morning at what did Jesus in the New Testament say? Because we know what a lot of churches and other places have said about this idea of Baptism. But what did Jesus say? That's who we're following is Jesus. So what did he say? And what did the New Testament writers say about this, a thing called water baptism? So one thing they didn't say, they didn't say that it was a salvation ceremony. For some, uh, people believe that, you know, if you, were, if you were, weren't baptized, then you didn't go to heaven. And so that's all of a sudden, that was never in Jesus' t- um, time. But later on, they're like, you have to be baptized. And so they realize Wow, if children back in that day they died, many children died before they were even a year old and the, and, and the the churches and the people would look and think, "Oh no, if we don't baptize those babies, well they don't go to hell we'll make up another place where they go, but we need to baptize those children, otherwise they don't go to heaven and so they began to do this thing called infant baptism, and maybe you're familiar with that, maybe you were baptized Catholic or you know, or christened, or you know maybe um, I hear that often you know we talk to people about about faith. And they're like, well, you know, I was baptized Catholic or Anglican or Christian Reformed or, or whatever it might be. Uh, and oftentimes when I hear those words, when we talk with people about, about faith like, in different places, you're like, do you go to church? No, but, but I, was, I was baptized Anglican. You know, and, and do you, hey, do you go to church? No, but I, I, was, I was baptized Catholic. And you know the next words that come out of their mouth? But I'm non-practicing. You know, that's often the thing, you know, I was, yeah, that's good. I was baptized Catholic, but I'm non-practicing. And I just wanted to let you know, I'm non-practicing as well. I'm a non-practicing atheist. I'm a non-practicing hunter and I'm a non-practicing vegan. I'm having a barbecue later, right? And so for, for some of, for some of you, you look at me, like, well, that doesn't make any sense. There's no power in that, right? And, and I want you to see that, that's so, for so many, it's like, well, oh, I was baptized one time, but I'm non-pra-. it doesn't mean anything. And the thing that I that I the reason why I say that is because there are some that have this false assurance. You know, I've been to I, I get to celebrate some great events with people, but I also get to walk through some of the really difficult times uh, through funerals. And and at funerals, when people have lost somebody and you begin to ask them, hey, you know, your loved one, what are they what what were their thoughts about like eternity and and the Lord and and faith? And you know, I'll hear so often, oh, I don't know what they thought about now, but it's okay because they were baptized as a baby, and there's this 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 sense of a, this hope or this assurance or thought or whatever that because of some event that happened to them as a child that they're okay with God. And you know what my greatest fear is that people who've experienced that think that that you know because just because of that. Things are good enough, and and uh, so I want to talk to you about that this morning. You know, it's 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 a part of something. But what we learn about baptism in the Bible, this idea of people being baptized as adults in in um, in water, is that it was a part of people being added to the church. If you look in Acts chapter two, verse forty-one, we'll throw it on the screen for you here. It says this: that those who gladly received his words. So the story is Peter is uh, he's preaching to the this group of people. <laughs> And this whole group of people uh, believes and gladly received what he had said about Jesus. And so it says they were baptized, and, about, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. That's a pretty big deal. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. But this idea of baptism, was it was connected to it. They received the word, and they were, and they were baptized. And for some of you, you could think, well, baptism sounds kind of like an unusual way to join something. Wouldn't you agree? You know, having you know having a bath in front of like a whole bunch of people—that's kind of like it's a little unusual, no? How many of you went to the library and said, like to have a membership"? Like, okay, here's your card, but we'd also like you to step into this room over here and hop in this bathtub. You know, we're gonna dunk you under and pull you up, and now you're a member of the library. You wouldn't—you would be like, uh, "No, you know, I'm not. No, it's all right. I'll go to a different library, right?" But but what's really what's what's interesting to know is that that there's all kinds of these. Um, the ceremonies that we have in our, on our planet that symbolize this, this reborn from something to a, to a new part of life, to a new chapter of life. Like, uh, you know, when, you, when you're 39 and you go to 40, they play embarrassing videos of you. That's your, like, rite of passage, which, you know, is pretty crazy, but there's, there's worse ones. You know, in, in the island of Vanuatu, they have this rite of passage that when a person wants to become a man, they have to do this. So they make this scaffold out of sticks, climb to the top, tie two vines to their ankles, and then jump off. And the hope and the plan is that they would get to the ground, and they'd pull their head forward, and their shoulders would just brush the ground, and then they would kind of spring back up. And then, if they make it, they are now a man in their tribe. And I always wonder, like, how do they know how long to make those? You know, the first guy, boom, okay, shorten it up a bit, you know? (laughs) Give his mom a free T-shirt, right? (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever... That, that if we had to do that, you'd be like, uh, I, I don't know. But you know, it's not just the men. The girls in, in the mental ch- um tribe, they have to sharpen their teeth if they want to become a, a, a proper woman. And so I was going to show how they did this. I couldn't stomach it myself. They take a rock and a chisel and without any anesthetic, they begin to chip these teeth. You know why they do it? Because as they become women, they're afraid in their culture that their souls are going to think that their bodies are not very beautiful or these women are not beautiful. And their soul might decide to leave their body. So they sharpen their teeth to be more beautiful so that their soul will stay and they won't die. And they become a woman. Craziness. You know, you think that's a little bit odd and interesting the Mattis tribe in brazil when the young men are about to become part of the warriors uh, group they have to go through this ceremony where they pour poison into their eyes to improve their vision then they beat them and whip them and then send them out on a mission and when they come back they inject them with poison from the giant leaf frog and they use wooden needles to do it and if they flinch they have to redo the whole thing again but if they can go through that they are a man I wouldn't make it. My buddy Brandon, he would make it, but not me. You know that. I I, 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 I never mind. But anyways, and the last one. You know the Hamar tribe in Africa. For the for them to to reach uh, and, and change from the from child to, uh, to man. They've got to uh, do a bunch of these things. But the final thing is that they've got to run naked over top of four cows. That's why there's no picture of this one. But uh, they, they hold four cows, and the guy's got to run across the backs of the four cows. And, and then once he's got there, he is a new person. He's no longer a child. He's a man. He's no longer a boy. He's a warrior. He's no longer just, She's no longer just a girl. She's a woman. It's this rite of passage. And then as you're sitting here, I can see in your eyes, like, This whole idea of water baptism isn't all that bad of an idea, right? It's it's not as odd as as it could be. Like if we were saying, hey, if you'd like to to become a follower of Jesus, we're going to sharpen your teeth and pour poison in your eyes. How many are in? No, right? Like it it seems whatever odd. And so when you start thinking about this and it's against some of these other things, you realize this ritual or this whatever, this ceremony of becoming a follower of Jesus or part of joining This family of faith isn't all that odd after all. But the thing that I want to challenge you with this morning is it's more than a ritual. A lot of these things are just rituals, but baptism and the reason why this idea of stepping into this water, going underneath the water as an adult and coming back up again is so, so important, and here's why. Three things, and they all start with P, just by chance. Number one, it's personal. Just hopefully you can remember that. It's personal. The whole idea of baptism and following Christ is personal. Matthew and Mark... Uh, Two authors of a a couple accounts of Jesus' life. Uh, We have them in our our Bible, and uh, they're they're those two documents that you can see. Jesus is giving his final commands to his disciples, and they both write them down from their perspective. And, And here's what they write. Mark chapter 16, you can read it if you'd like. It says this in verse 15. It says, Jesus told them, this is after he rose from the dead, and they're like, okay, we'll do whatever you say. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Anyone who believes and is baptized, who believes what? Like anybody who believes what? We find later Paul, who had talked to these guys and a follower of Jesus Christ, he wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote to this group of people, and he reminded them of the good news, and I love the way he did it, and I just want to share this with you. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, in this this letter, he says to them, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you. Let me remind you of what the good news really is. He says, I preached it to you before. You welcomed it then. You still stand firm in it. And it's that good news that saves you. It's not, it's not baptism that saves you. It's a part of the, of the steps, but it's the good news that saves. And he says this, it's the, it's the good news that saves you if you continue to believe, if you continue to trust the message that I told you. Unless, of course, that you believe something that was never true in the first place. He says, this is what it is in verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. He says, I'm sharing with you what others shared with me, and it's this that Christ died for our sins. You know, it's personal when you realize that Christ died for my sins, that Christ died for my sins, just as the scripture said. And then in verse four, it says this, that he was buried. It wasn't just that he died, he was actually buried. It wasn't like, oh, he passed out on the cross and they put him in this cold tomb and then he came back too. And it was this fake thing that, you know, he, 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 he he was really alive the whole time. No, no, they said he was dead and they buried him because that's what they do with dead people. But it says then this, and he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said in the final uh, part of it. In verse 5, it says, he was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some had died. As Paul's writing to this, this is just a couple of years after the resurrection. So he's telling them, listen. There's four things that happened. There's a man named Jesus who died for my sins. He was buried, he rose from the dead, and he was seen by people. And if you don't believe me, you can just go to Jerusalem. There's 500 people there who saw him at one time. And if you wanna know their names, go ask for James. Go ask for Peter. Go ask for the other uh, rest of the 12 um, uh, apostles. They'll tell you, I'm not making this stuff up. And which is great for us to know. But what's really really kind of interesting in this is you know, as he shares the good news, it's that good news that we can share with others. Some of you are like, I don't know, what to sh- I don't know how to share my faith. He said simply, it's, it's, it's these simple things that they would have probably called a creed back then. And a creed, really, um, for some of you, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, you've maybe quoted it before. They put things in, the, in, in a way that you'll remember them. The way they're written, they're kind of poetic. They have like this rhythm to them. Uh, I love, uh, Andy Stanley was sharing about this a number of uh, months ago. And as I heard, it, it's like, you know, it's true. Because each and every one of us has a creed that we, we have creeds in our life that we know. Creeds are for people who can't, couldn't read and couldn't write. And back in the day, that's the way they remembered stuff. And we have creeds too. And I'll, I'll, I'll just demonstrate. You know what? It comes after A, B, C, D, E, F, G. See, and even hear how it sounds? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. You learned something this morning. didn't that? Crazy? But, but why, why did they put those letters in that order and in that sound? They could have put A anywhere in the alphabet. Why did they do it that way? Because they're teaching children who can't read and who can't write. They want them to be able to memorize something, so they put it in this simple... Creed. And then after that, they have the, the, the ending, right? Now I know my ABCs, soon I'll have my PhD. Right? Now I know my ABCs, soon I'll have my PhD. Now I know my ABCs, soon I'll have my PhD. See, you guys just learned that just now. Like, you'll, you, you'll, you'd remember that tomorrow if somebody had simply said it. Why? Because that's the power of a creed. It's like this thing that that so, is so easy to remember. And it's really interesting that what Paul shared with them, it's, it's very similar in the same, um, same thought, that it was almost like the way it was written was like this little poem, like a little creed. And if, if we think about it today, it's the same, that Christ died for my sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. That's all it is. Christ died for my sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Christ died for my sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. How many of you can say that? Can you say that? Christ, Christ died for my sins. He rose. Okay, now without reading it, Who <laughs> died for my sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. He says those are the most powerful things. That is that message that that ch- changes. He died for my sins. If we believe you know, and trust in the fact that, that he died for my sins, but not only died, he rose from the dead and people saw him. It's, it's amazing, and the, and, and the reason we even have any of the uh, New Testament, any of those documents, is because that event happened. Because that event happened, people are like, we got to write about this. Like this there, was, there was this explosion of literature at that point, simply because of this amazing event called the resurrection. And Mark chapter 16, as we go back to that, it said, Jesus said, go in all the world and preach the good news to everyone. It says, anyone, anyone, who was then, anyone is now, anyone who believes that message, the, what we just said, anyone who believes and trusts that, and it says, and is baptized, will be saved. You know, those two things go together. This idea of believing something and then being baptized. You know, we talk about infant baptism. There was, this, there was no chance for a person to believe. My, the, my parents did it for me. He says, that's not what this is about. There's this idea of believing something and then being um, baptized. If you, if you don't believe something, you don't get baptized. That would just be weird. Like if you're like, oh, I'm just going to go baptized because all my friends are doing it. Well, then it's just a bath in front of a whole lot of people, which is really weird. That's, the, that's all that that is. It's, there's, something, there's something more to it. Being baptized as a baby doesn't determine your eternal destination. It was this thought of what do I believe and trust that that message is true? And it is. Baptism is a personal act of obedience to Jesus. Being water baptized, Matthew 28, Jesus came to his disciples, verse 18, and told them, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, so therefore, go and make disciples. Not Christians, not, like not, don't go make churchgoers. He like, go make people who who believe in in me, who believe in Jesus, go and make people who will follow what I say. That's what a disciple is. And he says, go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know what the original disciples did? They're like, you rose from the dead. We believe everything you say. We'll go and do what you tell us to do, and so they went out and they began making disciples, teaching them and baptizing them in water. And it, you see it; we, we learned about the three thousand in the first very first day the church was born, and after that there was many more. Paul was um, baptized. Um, Philip went and baptized a stranger he met on the road. Cornelius uh, and uh, his whole household were baptized. And you see it continue on and on and on, even till this point where we've had the opportunity as well. It's one step in a journey of actually following Jesus. He's like, He didn't want people to say, hey, I'm a Christian. He's like, are you a Jesus follower? Do you follow what Jesus said? Do you obey and listen to what Jesus actually said? For some of you, are like, yeah, I'm good. I'm a Christian. He's, he says, if you're following me, you'll take that step. That's because that's what I've asked you to do. And so the thing is, number one, it's personal. Second one is this, it's public. It's public. It's, our faith is meant to be personal, but it's meant to be more than that. You ever ask somebody about their faith or, or anything, and, and they answer with, like, uh, it's personal. What does that really mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. They don't want to talk about it. It's none of your business. It's It's personal. When it comes to faith and somebody says, hey, what do you believe about Jesus? Ah, it's kind of personal. usually means it's, it's non-existent. I, I really don't actually know how to answer that, so I'm just going to be like, it's personal. I have a, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. He's like, listen, it was meant to be public. Our lives, we're the salt of the earth. People are meant to know, not based on like having a Christian fish on your bumper, you know, as you speed past them uh, or whatever it is that, oh, well, they weren't a Christian, right? Like it's that they can see in your lives that it's public. This person is a follower of Jesus. And so it was meant to be public. Baptism, getting water baptized, it's an outward sign of something that he's done in your heart. It's of something that's happened on the inside. It's like a wedding day. You know, we described that like a wedding day. is like, it's not the day that you fell in love with your spouse. You know, when Beth and I got married, that wasn't the day we're like, "Oh, hey, you're dressed in white. I'm, I'm a black. I think you're pretty good looking, and I, I think I could do the rest of my life with you. I, I think I love you. Hey, let's get married." It wasn't like that at all, right? We knew we were committed to one another. We knew we loved each other, and so you have the wedding day. It's not the day you fell in love. Baptism is not the day you, that you all of a sudden, you know, um, get saved. It's the day that you tell the world saying. Same as Beth and I were like, we know we love each other, so we're going to tell 400 of our closest friends in public that we are committed to one another for the rest of our lives. And and some of you were there. My in-laws Brandon. in. um, Back in the day, they knew. they, they, They were there as we made those promises to one another. And with baptism, it's the same idea, that it's public. This thing of, you know what? Him and I, we're together. I'm committed to him for the rest of my life. It's a public declaration of a commitment to one another, and baptism is a public declaration of what God has done and you receiving what he's done. Baptism, it's a symbol of salvation. It's not salvation itself. It's kind of like the wedding ring. You know, I've got a wedding ring. This this thing is, it's it's you know, when you get married, it's not all about, yeah, the bling. You know, that's why uh, it'd be really odd, right? If, if Beth and I were to get married and I gave her her wedding ring, this is hers. You know, and I gave her, uh, it's not. Uh, I gave her this wedding ring and she's like, oh, finally, I got the ring. And we're like, we're about to go on our honeymoon. And she's like, you know, you can just hang out a baggage claim. I'm going to Tahiti by myself with this ring, right? Like, it's just me and this ring. It, that would be really odd, wouldn't it? There's, if you Google it, you can actually see and read the story of a ga- of a gal who uh, she had to do that because her husband's passport wasn't up to date, and so all of a sudden she had to go on her honeymoon by herself. And all the honeymoon photos are her and her ring, you know, all over in these. Yeah, because that's all she had. It, it would be, and somebody be like, "Oh, that's weird. It's weird, right? Because it's not it's not about that." So when someone's faith is just like, "Oh, I was kind of it was about a baptism way back when." That'd be just like me saying, it's just all about the ring. It's not, it's much more than that. It's about us sharing our lives together, living our lives together, traveling the world together, doing something. The ring is simply proof that a wedding happened. It's not the main thing. It's just proof that the main thing did happen. So why do we get baptized? This outward symbol of something that was inward, why do we get baptized? Simply this, because Jesus told us to. We do things in our world, people do things because others tell them to. I was watching Jimmy Kimmel the other night. If you can Google this on YouTube, it's hilarious. Jimmy Kimmel goes at, for Father's Day, he challenges people to go and do these Father's Day pranks where they're like they serve their dad breakfast in bed and spill it on him and then get it on video and send the video in to see what he does. And so they had one where it's like spray him with a hose. There's one like walk up to them while he's sleeping and yell as loud as you can, Dad, I love you, and videotape his response, right? Well, all the responses are like hilarious. Like they're like, what, What's going on? Like the one guy's painting, and then his daughter starts spraying him with a hose and the whole wall he's painting. He's like, what are you doing? And what do they all say? Jimmy Kimmel told me to. And of course, it's like, it's not my fault. Jimmy Kimmel told me to, right? And so they're all angry at Jimmy Kimmel because these people would do what Jimmy Kimmel told them to do. Well, how much more would we not be saying, hey, if I live my life for Jesus, that I would do what Jesus told me to do? Do you know why baptism is so powerful? Because it's a sign that someone else is my master. Because none of us wake up every morning and think, hmm, I don't have anything else to do today. Nothing better to do. I live in Hagersville. So, you know, maybe I'm going to go and just get baptized. You know, like, I'm going to go have a bath in front of a bunch of people. I'm going to go get dunked in front of like a whole bunch of people watching me taking pictures. None of you woke up and ever thought that. I-, I promise you. The only reason any of us would ever do something like that is because someone else is the master of our life. Someone else is saying, hey, I want you to go and do this. Like, oh man, that seems a little odd. But, but if you're my master, then why? Then 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 yes. You know, for some, maybe getting baptized is scary for you. I know like guys on their wedding day, I always talking to them beforehand. They're like, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. I'm like, why are you nervous? They're all gonna be watching me, they're all gonna be watching me. I'm like, they're only gonna be watching you until she gets there, like 30 seconds, and they're not gonna watch you again, right? And and you're good. But it's the same with baptism. Oh, I don't want to do it. They're all going to be watching me. They're all going to be watching me. They're all going to be watching you until they realize what he's done in your life. And the whole idea of it is that it points to people as a picture to him. And when they see what God can do and what God can do through a life, it's amazing. Do you know why baptism is one of the steps? Because following Jesus can be uncomfortable. I don't know if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while. He'll ask you to do uncomfortable things. Like, hey, go up to that person and pay for their groceries. Like, oh, they're gonna think that's weird, you know? Like, what if it, what if they what if they look at me and whatever, you know, or say, hey, go on, go on, go up to that person and just you know, ask them if you can pray with them. Like, I don't even pray aloud at home. Like, what do you mean I pray for them? Like, I don't know if you've had those moments. There's some uncomfortable moments. And, you know, the idea of baptism is saying, you know, God asking me to do something uncomfortable. Jesus, I'm going to follow you because I'm going to trust and obey because you are my master. I don't know if if you're ever raised in the CRC like I was. There's some great hymns back then. We used to sing this song called Trust and Obey. Anybody know it? Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. See, I know, man, good, good tunes. And the rest of it, I don't remember. But I I, rem- I haven't heard that in forever, but it's that idea of this is the life of walking out, that we trust our Savior and we obey what he says. Um, you know, the thing maybe maybe for you, you're like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. But you know what, but, but I was baptized as a kid or I had some other ceremony, like I was confirmed or I, I made a confession or a profession or whatever it's. I did something, I did something already. And for some of you, that's maybe where you stand right now. And I, I want to challenge you with this thought: that when I got married to Beth, I didn't, you know, that day showed up, and I was like, "Oh, hon, you know, we don't really have to have this." Oh, I didn't call her that then, but hey, Beth, you know, we really don't have to have like this wedding ceremony thing. You know, I was a ring bearer at a wedding once. You know, for my aunt and uncle, I've done the whole wedding thing. Like, I don't really need to do this. I remember going to the rehearsal. I remember the the, the flower girl and I were wearing the same shirt. I remember looking at each other like one of us is inappropriately dressed, you know? And I was like six years old and it's gotta be me because I remember I'm scarred. Like my parents dressed me back then. But the, the, I have been to the wedding ceremony, you know? Like, we don't need to do this. What's she gonna say? She's like, that's not the same thing. You know, just because you were like a, a ring bear doesn't mean you've been a groom. Just because, uh, you know, you've been to a wedding doesn't mean that you're actually married. It'd be like saying, you know, you go to the MTO and they're like, hey, you need to take your written driver's test. You're like, no, nah, I did a math test in grade three, so I think I'm good. Uh, They're going to look at you and say, no, that's not the same thing. It's like me asking my kids. The other day, I'm like, hey, can you guys clean off all the stuff off the floor in your room, clean up your room? They're like, okay. They come back later. Dad, dad, guess what? We built a fort in our room. Like We use all the blankets, all our clothes out of the closet, and all our toys. And, And they're like, I look in, I'm like that's pretty epic, but that's not what I asked you to do, right? That's pretty great, but that's not what I asked you to do. And it's the same thought. You know, I can just hear, hear God saying the same thing. You know, I, I did confession. Well, yeah, but that's not what I asked you to do. You know, well, my, my parents baptized me. as a baby. I know, but that's not what I asked you to do. And it's even more than that. That's not what I commanded you to do. As a follower of Jesus, he's saying, hey, this is what I've commanded you to do. So not only is it personal, it's public. And the third thing is it's powerful. And here, real quick, three things. It's a powerful reminder. I was at a baptism ceremony yesterday for Canada Day. Sweet's Corners baptism was awesome. I loved watching these people. And Wes said, hey, as, as all these people go into the water, that years from now, they will look back at July 1st of 2017 and say, that's the day. That's the day that I told the world that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And many of you, as you think back to remembering when you were baptized, man, that, that moment of saying, yeah, you know what? There's been some highs and lows, but that's the day I decided I'm going to follow him. It's like our weddings. You know, when you remember your wedding, um, uh, do you remember how you felt at your wedding if, you're, if you got married? Do you remember those as you stood there and you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe your marriage didn't work out. But regardless At that moment, you felt like, man, we are in this forever. I'm committing to this person forever. Do you remember what it was like? Remember when you decided to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus? What what it felt like as that, like, oh, God, you know, I've messed up my life. But if you died for my sin and you're willing to take that, then, yes, I trust and believe. And you felt like a weight was lifted off of you. Do you remember what that was like? For some you hear, you know, feel like as you go through life as a follower of Jesus, you're like, oh, man, I got so far to go. I still screw up all the time oh, I got so far to go. He says, you know, take a look back and see, look how far I've taken you from that moment where we committed to one another. Look how far I've taken you and I'm not done with you yet. It's a powerful reminder. Second thing is a powerful witness. When you get baptized in public and you say to your adult friends, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus and here's why. And they're looking at you. You know what's crazy? I've seen so many times where people who were at those events, they've heard me talk like 50 times and nothing reached their heart. Then they hear you talk for two minutes about why you're following Jesus. You go get dunked in the water. You get up like, I don't care about what he said, but I want what they have. And they become followers of Jesus. And I've seen people who were baptized a couple of years later be able to baptize their own friends because they became followers of Jesus as a result of that moment. Why? Because it was a public, this public thing. Do you know what? That... This obedience to Jesus, there's someone, possibly someone on the other side of your obedience. There's possibly someone on the other side whose life could be changed for eternity because of your obedience to to your master. And the last one is this. It's a powerful connection to the resurrection. The reason why the whole idea of of it being baptized in water and going under the water and coming back up is this. Romans chapter 6 verse 1, Paul wrote this. He says, well then, he was saying to them, should we keep on sinning because, uh, so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? He had just talked about how amazing grace is. He said, should we sin because God's going to forgive us? He's said, like, no. Should we live as if our lives have not been changed? No. He says, of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Verse 3, it says this, or have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what baptism meant? Have you forgotten the power of baptism? He says that when, in baptism, when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. A part of us died in that water. It says, for we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives with Christ. Do we keep living as if nothing's changed? No, because something happened in that moment. Something died. You know what happened As you said, Jesus, this seems weird to me, but I'm following you because you're my new master. Guess what happens when you have a new master? The old one dies that you don't have to live with the desires of sin being your controller your ruler addiction doesn't need to be your master anymore sin doesn't need to be your master why because it died and when it tries to come up out of the out of that grave you're like no you know it's dead you don't go dig up a corpse after you buried it and be like you know hey I kind of want to hang out you know you don't do that right and so he says the same thing don't dig up that old man it's been buried and when you know people come and say, oh, I knew what you were like in your past, it doesn't matter because that's past. Don't let even the enemy on the inside say, oh, you know, this is who you once were. Yeah, that's right. It's who I once was, but it's dead now. I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. As that thing was dead and buried with Christ, He says, you know, as you come back out of the water, you're raised to new life with Christ. Man, it's powerful. That idea of being living a life with Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it says, lives in us. Same power. It's it's incredible. And, you know, as they say, you know, not just baptized, not just immersed, not just dunked into water. Jesus says to his disciples, go baptize them. Go immerse them in the name. And when we study through our precept studies, when it talks about in the name, it's it's the authority and the relationship. You've been immersed in a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Relationship with God. That as you come out of the water, you're living life with Christ for those of you who have been baptized, are you still immersed in life with Christ? That drifts, that dwindles sometimes. It's like being married. Oftentimes when I meet with couples who are going through stuff later on in their marriage and they're not liking each other, I hand them their wedding vows and say, hey, how you doing with what you promised? <laughs> yeah, but they, 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 yeah, but how are you doing with what you promised? You know, the same thing for us, that for you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Are you living life with Christ? I I like how how you said that, Scott. I'm going to be traveling out east with Christ. It's good. All things are possible, right? Because with with Christ. So if you've been baptized as a follower of Jesus, as an adult, you've already done this. Are you living today with Christ? Because you can. That's what the power of that is. And I remind you that today you get to live today with Christ. Have you become a follower of Jesus Christ? And you've not yet taken that step of baptism. Maybe you're like, asking now, yeah, hey, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he was buried. I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe he was seen. I believe that all really happened. I trust that that message is true. I, can, I challenge you to consider taking that step of obedience to your new master and going and being water baptized, regardless of what you've always thought about it. And maybe this morning you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you once were, but you're kind of not anymore. Maybe you're here and you're... You know, you just like, you came to church and you're like, what is all of this about? Can I just tell you that the truth of those words is true for you? That each of us, we've all have this thing in our life called sin. We do. And for some of you, like, I don't even believe in God. You know, how can I let somebody down who I don't really even believe exists? Well, I challenge you with the thought that you have probably let yourself down at some point. I You know, there's that, that thought of like, in your head, you're like, hey, I probably shouldn't do this. And then you do. Or you're like... I'm never going to do that again, honey. I'm so sorry. And then a week later, he did it again. See, it's the thing. There's something broken in us. And we are going to give an account to God someday for what we did in our lives. And you know what? None of us can measure up. Not me. Not you. The only one who could was Christ. And he says, he died for my sins in my place. It's powerful. He died for your sins. He rose again from the dead, and he loves you incredibly. And he's inviting you into relationship with him. That's on the table this morning. For those who say, yeah, okay, you know what? I believe, I'll trust, and I'll live my life out in trust with that. I want to close with this one last statement. I shared this at a graduation ceremony a couple weeks ago, but it says this, CT Stud said this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. See, we can do a whole lot of things in our lives, but really the only things that are eternal are the ones that we do out of obedience to him. Only one life, yours, mine, will soon be passed. Boy, it goes quick. Forty. Huh! Goes quick. Goes quick. It'll soon be passed. What are the things that you're doing for Christ? Because those will last. For me, the challenge is praying and believing that people are going to come to faith in Christ and step out in the journey of following Him by being baptized and living life with Him. It's the things that'll last. So where do you find yourself this morning? Which one are you, and what are you going to do with where you're at as a follower of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice for us. Thank you for the truth of those words, that you did come and you did die for me, for us, that you loved us so much, and you still do. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Father, I pray that you help us. We're all in different spots this morning. Some wrestling with these thoughts. Others, we've just forgotten about them for a while. Thank you for bringing them to our remembrance. As we leave this place, I know that we don't leave you, that you're with us wherever we go. Help us to be attentive to your voice in other places, not just here. Help us to be obedient to what you desire for us because you're trying to reach the world through us. Help us to walk that out with you. God, thank you. Thank you for the incredible sacrifice that you made for us. We live today and to honor that and to uh, bring glory to your name as a result. It's in your amazing name that we pray this morning. Amen.